Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. It's been a momentous week in France with Lionel Messi sealing his uh, new contract at PSG as a free agent, incredibly. Um, and I, I promised you last week on, on the pod a, a full Lionel Messi uh, a podcast. Uh, that's going to be on Twitter Spaces tomorrow uh, at six o'clock, I think. Um, and so keep your eyes uh, on our Twitter uh, feed for that at GFFN. There's also a brilliant roundtable discussion uh, on the on the site between a group of PSG fans who, who write for GFFN. Some really interesting opinions on there. Uh, that's also on our, our, our Twitter uh, profile as well. So check those out, along with loads of Lionel Messi coverage, uh, loads of feature articles on, on his signing and, and what it means for PSG and French football. Anyway... Uh, a brilliant weekend in Ligon once more. Two fantastic weekends so far. I'm Adam White and I'm joined by Eric Devin. Hi, Eric. Hey, Adam. Um, I am very good. I am very, very good indeed. Much better than um, your Leon chaps, uh, which we'll get to in just uh, a moment. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hi. Hi, guys. So, uh, match day two in Ligon was kicked off on Friday night by Lorient beating Monaco, who had one eye on their Champions League playoff tie with Shakhtar Donetsk this week. Saturday saw Nice thrash Lille 4-0 and Paris Saint-Germain put four past Strasbourg, although a more complicated outing for the Parisians at the Parc des Princes as Lionel Messi, Sergio Ramos and the rest were unveiled in Paris. Sunday saw Angers beat Lyon 3-0. A fantastic Angers-Lyon hapless in, in that game in the 3-0 defeat. Brest and Rennes drew one each. Clermont won their second consecutive game. They've got a 100% record in Ligue 1 across the entire history of the club, beating Troyes 2-0 once more after the Bordeaux result last week. Rennes and Montpellier drew three each in a thrilling encounter on Sunday afternoon. And Nantes beat Metz uh, 2-0 as well. Following them, Lance Sinetian played out an exciting 2-2 draw and the Sunday night primetime game between Marseille and Bordeaux was another 2-0 draw at the Velodrome. Marseille taking lead, but Bordeaux paying them back. I'm going to very quickly start with Lionel Messi. Again, keep your eyes on our Twitter feed for, for all the coverage uh, of his signing, both this week and for the weeks to come. But um, Eric, just sum up for us what this means for Ligon. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a matter of exposure and people will pay attention to Ligon in a way they never have before. I, you know, I think that obviously, you know, Neymar has a certain star, yeah, star quality. Yeah, the same is true for Kylian Mbappe, but, you know, they're generational players, you know, along the order of, a, you know, say a Ronaldinho, or a Ronaldo, um, but they're not, you know, they're not in the conversation for the best player ever, um, which Messi firmly is. Uh, you know, this is arguably the biggest transfer in the history of football. Um, you know, I say, okay, obviously, you know, in the past, Pele and Maradona have moved clubs, but I don't think that, you know, when they were playing, we had the same fixation and obsession with, with transfers. So I think, Bearing that in mind, you know, this is this is really a beyond momentous occasion for Liga that the, they've been to, to, for the club and for the league to be the focus of such uh, incredible you know, media scrutiny is is really special and is really exciting. Um, you know, it just remains to be seen, um, you know, how this all plays out this season. Hopefully uh, we don't have some of the issues that other star players have had 
and coming to France, you know, we, we think about that um, tackle Radamel Falcao suffered in the Coupe de France in his maiden season, Monaco, for example, or how Neymar has been the victim of some rather um, agricultural, say we, shall we say, challenges in, in the recent past. Um, so let's hope nothing like that befalls Messi and, and uh, that, you know, he, his combination play with the rest of that team uh, makes them exciting to watch. I mean, I, I still think, you know, Ramos or not, there may be some questions to resolve at the back if Saturday's match was anything to go by. Um, you know, I know Ramos wasn't involved in that, but, uh, you know, do PSG have a number six that can, can fit the bill with all that attacking talent? So there's still questions to be answered. I think it's going to be, a, a, they're going to be a compelling watch. Um, for, for a multitude of reasons going forward this season. There's something to look forward to. Absolutely. Compelling watch indeed. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. But Jez, I really wanted to get your sort of thoughts on on Mauricio Pochettino's future here and how this affects um, sort of the club in a wider sense, just because there was this moment in the press conference where he was, the you know, they won 4-2. They, they, they played well in the first half in particular, but he sort of opened his press conference with a question that was relatively sort of like, you know, negative. And he sort of shook his head and said, oh, always negative, ne- never positive. Um, this makes winning the treble an obligation for PSG. They're not just favourites. They should be winning Ligue 1 and they should be winning the Coupe de France and arguably sort of favourites for the, the for the Champions League. Or people are going to sort of scoff if they don't improve on their Champions League performances. So how much expectation is on them? And does this actually make them Champions League favourites or is that a little bit fanciful? I think um, certainly Ligue 1 and Coupe de France, yeah, they, they should be winning that. It's always, I know, you know, cup competitions, always vagaries of, of the draw and I guess who's fit and firing and at that time or what other distractions there are, you know, matches coming just before or after. But essentially PSG should be walking away with every domestic title. So that, that should kind of be a formality. In terms of Champions League, absolutely. I think this puts them... Um, certainly one of the favourites, but it's probably fair to say the favourites. Maybe Chelsea and, and City can can sort of argue that they should be considered up there as well. But as Eric said, the fact is that on top of a very good team anyway, on top of Mbappe, who I think is among the three or four best players in the world, on top of Neymar, who some people think are, I don't personally. Um, it's a fantastic squad on paper and having already reached the final and the semi-final in the last two years and improved their squad since then, it it definitely makes them one of the favourites. But it's not as simple as that. You know, there's a lot of very good teams and only one team can win it each year. And, um, you know, there's certain journalists saying, well, um, it clearly doesn't mean anything if PSG do win it because they've just thrown money at it. It's a silly argument because if that was the case, then PSG and City would have shared the the Champions League between them the the last 10 years or so, and neither of them have won it yet. So there's a lot more to it than just bringing in um, a certain number of the best players in the world, particularly when the majority of those players are forward players. And it really is about finding the balance. And and as Eric said, you know, the the last two weeks against Trois, Navas pulled PSG out of, out of a hole a couple of times. And, and this weekend, again, they, you know, they, they did have a scare cruising at 3-0 and, and Strasbourg did, did come back and, and give them something to think about. So that obviously they haven't got all their top players playing the last two weeks, but still it shows that 
it's not as simple. And obviously Real Madrid and the, the Galacticos of a few years ago shows that as well. It's not as simple as just saying we're going to outscore you because we've got the best forward players on the planet. You need to have the balance across the team. You need to be you need to have players who can win the ball back and give it to those forward players. You need to have people in defence who, when the other team do get a chance, are able to to clear their lines or whatever. And and I still think there are problem areas for PSG. Um, and certainly it's not as simple as, as just you know, putting all these players out there. Even the, the politics within the team, you can only play a certain number of those players. So, you know, Icardi has started the season well. Are they going to sell him or to, are they going to consider keeping him? And Bappe had a fabulous weekend, but there are those issues. He was booed as the, before the match started. Al-Khalifi did sort of stoke the fire with, with, with his comments at the press conference the other day about Mbappe, which I don't think was a very clever thing to do, sort of trying to, to turn the fans against him or, or sort of you know, bully him into, into signing a new contract. Um, even Di Maria, who arguably did as much as anyone else to bring Messi into the, into the, the, the club, if Pochettino decides to, I guess, play a 4-3-3, then Di Maria could be the, the player to kind of pay the price and, and be dropped to the bench. So th- there's so much more than just playing, you know, being able to put out Donnarumma and Messi and Ramos and Wijnaldum and, and just expect them to walk away with, with, with the Champions League. It doesn't work like that. I think a lot of journalists are sort of setting it up for PSG to, not for PSG to fall, but setting it up so that if and when they do fall, they can have a lot more sort of enjoy the schadenfreude a lot more by really hyping up, well, they've got no excuse not to win it now. But um, absolutely one of the favourites, but it certainly doesn't mean it's a formality. Yeah, I think that argument's an interesting one. You, you sort of touched on it with the Manchester City and, and, and uh, you know, sort of links. Um, because if you look over the last, you know, 10 years since Kiyosai took over PSG, Manchester United and Manchester City have spent a similar amount of money and pay a similar amount in, in wages. Uh, so the, but Manchester City in particular never get accused of the same sort of buying trophies as, as PSG, sort of the same accusation as PSG do, which, uh, especially here, of course. I mean, um, but uh, in, in the UK, but um, yeah, it'll uh, uh, be interesting to see how, how it pans out over the course of the year. A lot of pressure on, on Pochettino for sure. Um, we'll start with Sunday night's uh, game between Marseille uh, and Bordeaux. Um, Eric, um, Marseille, I, I, I really like this Marseille team. They're playing, they're playing uh, sort of a, a hungry 1950s WM with a redraw, withdrawn centre forward. It's, it's great fun. Um, but um, again, they were a little bit a little bit flaky here. Two 0 up, back to two all. They came from two 0 down last week to win three two, having after a sort of a up and down first half. Um, but do you think they the draw was fair, a fair result overall? Or did they probably deserve to to go on and win? They they couldn't really break Bordeaux, Bordeaux down in the second half, and arguably had the worst of the game in that period. Yeah, and this is a Bordeaux side. You, you have to remember, you know, bringing in Timothy uh, Pembele, uh, you know a very callow uh, player, you know, despite having, having some, shown some good form with PSG's parent club. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really worry about this team. I mean, uh, Luan has, has not, not impressed me. Valerity got sent off last night. Um, this defense I think is, is really a work in progress. I don't think Diego D- Sar had a very good um, Euros either. Um, you know, Alvaro Gonzalez was on the bench for some reason. Last night, I'm I'm not sure what what's going on there, but um, 
it's yeah, I and mean, this this defense needs to get sorted out and quick if Marseille are going to have any uh, opportunity of of, of uh, doing well. I mean, they they could have had a chance to be joint top of the league. Instead, uh, they end up you know now they've conceded four goals in two matches. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of attacking potential here, but I think that this team has, by and large, in recent seasons, uh, been defensively solid and then been opportunistic. I think we even saw that to a large extent under San Paolo last season. Sounds if they weren't opportunistic and they didn't like to get forward, but um, there was much, there was a much higher level of solidity. I think, you know, as you say, you know, you think about that Marty Magyar's team now was that famous match beating England. Was it five, three, you know, I, I think Six, that three. is <laughs> 6, three. Six that three. Be a, That'd be a seven, one the year after as well, away from home. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, point taken. I, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of this in the end of the season. It looks, that looks to be a similar approach from Olivier Dallo at, at at Montpellier and Peter Bosch at Leon too. A lot of teams are going to try to win uh, by outscoring the, the opponent. So it'll make for some fun matches, but um, in terms of their overall approach, it is a radical shift. I don't think that we've necessarily seen uh, teams play quite so gung ho in, in Liga. I mean, even, you know, okay, let's go back five years to when Monaco won the title, right? That was obviously a team. We think about the attacking potency of the likes of uh, Bernardo Silva, Tom Lamar, Falcao, of course, Mbappe. Um, but even so, that team, you know, was very, very solid. You think about the job that Fabinho did in defensive midfield, uh, Camille Glick, and then, you know, even Jemerson for that that, that one season. The rest, the rest of his career in France, I don't know. Um, but no, solidity, and certainly last year, Lille, Christophe Galtier, um, certainly solidity has, has been um, the path to success uh, in recent seasons for French teams. It's been teams to have a bit of a hammer and tongs approach and tried to hit opponents on the counter um, that have, you know, bred success in PSG the same, the same way, you know, for all their attacking flair. I do think that, you know, Kim Pembe had a decent season last year. Um, by and large, of course, Marquinhos is solid. Uh, a solid defense has been at the back of that. And I don't see that, that coming uh, with Marseille playing this formation. I'm not saying that, you know, that group of, of players, you know, be it Bolardi, Car camera, Gonzalez, uh, Sotichar, uh aren't decent defenders. Um, I just I do think that that formation is just far, far, far too open. Um, especially if you're playing under and um, Henri de la Fuente as 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 the wing backs. I think if you had if you did have a Polarola come in, or you know Daniel Vaz is another player who's been who's been linked. Uh, maybe Jordan Amavi starts on the left. I know de la Fuente is fun to watch. But I think in terms of balance, you need uh, those wingback positions to be occupied by players who are orthodox wingbacks and not attacking players. Um, so, you know, uh, Sampaoli, I think, still has some, some, some tinkering to do, perhaps. Maybe he places the team in a 3-4-2-1 um, <clears throat> when, when Milik is back. Um, you know, it, we have to see how he, how he thinks this team lines up. You know, is he playing this because it's needs must and he doesn't have Milik and he doesn't trust Benedetto? Or is he playing the scene because this is the system with which he wants to approach the season a bit large? Um, maybe he thinks there's more versatility in this system in terms of players being able to play different roles, uh, which could be a potential positive in balancing the Europa League. But uh, I think for now, he needs to take a long, hard look at, at this team. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. Yes, Montpellier have been a decent side going forward. We know that Olivier Delio, with those players at his disposal, are, are going to score goals. 
but I mean, to, to concede two to Bordeaux, ugh, you know, a, a team that, you know, I don't think anybody expected much out of this season, I think is a, it's a bit of a red flag. Um, you know, there's more to come, but I think he just needs to have a little bit uh, more of a holistic look at, at how important being defensively sound uh, is and has been in, in, in league up because it, we, we don't see teams achieve any real modicum of success uh, by solely being attacking sides. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think that's definitely been the way in, in Liga and over, over, over recent years. There is a little bit of, of sort of fluidity in that setup. Kamara, Abubakar Kamara was dropping in at right back at times. So they sort of morphed into a 4-2-3-1 with, with um, sort of Payet and, and Jerson almost up front together as, as Jerson just playing just off him. Um, but in terms of solidarity, solidarity, talking about the gung-ho Marseille, uh, Bordeaux were, were pretty solid here, Jez. Um, and although they were terrible last week against Clermont, they switched formation, played pretty much five at the back. Uh, and, and although they, they, they conceded those two, two goals in the first half, uh, second half, they, they really fought back and, and deserved their point in the end. Do you think this is Petkovic? You know, he's not been there long. He's only been there, what, 10 days, two weeks, maybe. Is this him starting to have some sort of effect? We know he's a good coach. Um, is, is this starting to look like his team a little bit more, do you think? I think to an extent, I think Otavio kind of brought a lot of sort of calmness and solidity back into the middle as well. Um, you have to say that possibly the match would have gone very differently if if Marseille had had an early penalty, which um, I wasn't as convinced as a lot of people that it should have been given, but I certainly was surprised it wasn't given when um, I think it was Mexair sort of um, took De La Fuente down. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, I suppose, certainly from a French point of view, it's not the first time this this summer that we've seen um, a Petkovic team come um, come back from a two-goal deficit and, and upset a few French people. And, and if, you know, give them time in terms of the, the actual football, but certainly if it's in terms of kind of not being so flaky and actually showing a bit of backbone, then then we certainly saw that last night. And yeah, I thought Bordeaux were, were very good for their draw. I mean, even, even the first half, Marseille went in a halftime 2-0 up. But apart from that sort of, um, what, five, ten-minute period where, where they scored their two goals, they weren't sort of dominant. They were, you know, they weren't creating a lot of chances. And arguably, Bordeaux were, were slightly unfortunate even to, to go in 2-0 down. So I thought they showed a lot of character to come back. I, I like the two goals. I mean, definitely for both of them, certainly the first one, as Eric said, I'm, I'm really unimpressed with Perez so far. Um, and I, I think Mondonda was looked his age on both goals. I think he looked very slow. Um, but, um, you know, a, a, a young player, OK, a low knee, but a young player sort of prepared to run at the opposing defence from the halfway line. And the second one, I guess, you know, a, a sort of, to use the cliche, a training ground routine and a corner swung to someone unmarked, he hits it first time from the edge of the area. It's just nice to see, just as we're talking about a very different Marseille team to this, the one we've seen the last few years, who are kind of playing exciting, rip-roaring football for, for all its faults at the back as well. It's nice to see a Bordeaux team just trying something different and, and maybe also looking to come out of their shell. And, and if that's what Petkovic is bringing to the team, then then I'm all for it. And, and I think we said before that, you know, there's a, there's a number of new coaches to league out this year and it won't necessarily always bring um, positive results. And, well, I, positive is I was going to say, but it will bring positive football. I think 
I think especially in France, there's too much of this fuss about oh, it's got to be attacking, entertaining football. And I get it as neutrals, we want that. But these all these people have got jobs on the line and have got, um, you know, responsibilities to their fans and they've got a job to do and points and matches to win. And sometimes you do need to close up shop and it's not always going to be pretty to watch. And we've seen that recently internationally and in club football. It's... You know, winning a match defensively might not be as much fun for the neutral, but it is just as valid a win. You know, football is about not conceding as much as it is about scoring. So I think maybe at times you get a bit too carried away with this, I say we, you know, one, with this desperation for Ligue 1 to be a little bit more Premier League-like. But it is exciting that there's all these new coaches coming in and most of them seem to be wanting to play entertaining football. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that any of them are going to win the league or do anything particularly special doing that, but it's certainly going to, it will make it better for the neutral, but possibly for fans of those teams, maybe they'll be a little bit more on edge <laughs> nerves-wise mm. than, than previous seasons. Yeah, definitely. It does feel like there's a much more sort of, gung-ho feeling to the league um, but much more open and uh, there were sort of 60 goals in the first two match days which is the first time that's happened since the 80s um, and you know there have been some 2-2s and 3-3s and you know a lot of goals flying around and it's it's been exciting but yeah perhaps the defending on display still needs to be refined from from certain um, from certain size one of which unfortunately Eric was Leon um, I don't think I've, I've seen a, a worse defensive performance than Marcelo's in quite some time with a comical own goal. It's a lovely little finish, shaping it around Lopez. Absolutely brilliant finish. Um, talk to us about Leon. Um, disaster, no? <laughs> Do I have to talk about Leon? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, uh, the, a guy who lives, who lives here in the States is a fellow Leon fan, George, who lives in Providence. If you're listening, George, shout out. Um, he's someone I met up with a few times to watch games. Um, he said he's the worst he's ever seen me on play. Uh, I, I, I'm struggling to immediately come up with an example, uh, a, a counter example. Yeah, it was, it was pretty dire. Um, I think that we can make allowances for uh, likes of Paqueta and Kimarish being still half fit, uh, owing to their, uh, Olympic exertions. Um, we could certainly look at the absence of Jason Denaire, uh, you know, definitely the team's best defender and the interesting and to Damien De Silva. I know so what you will about him, but he's, he's a decent league on defender. Uh, he's suspended for this match. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the questions have to be laid squarely at the feet of, of Peter Bosch. Um, this is what we saw after preseason. You know, this is now the seventh match uh, friendlies and competitive matches combined that he's been in charge of the team. Um, and they've looked, they've looked at C in all of those. I mean, and, and again, you can make a caveat that they're playing against teams of a European standard in terms of Wolfsburg and Porto and Fika, but still, um, you know, conceding goals, um, looking at C. I mean, they had some good moments uh, going forward. You know, Bernardoni had some nice saves to keep out, um, to, keep it, to keep them out. Um, but I think that the choices that Bosch is making, both in terms of how he's setting the team up um, and in terms of the, the style of play that, that he's expecting from his players, um, looks bad. I, I mean, Silvino bad, uh, if we're thinking back to two seasons ago. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of time, again, as we talked about 
um, for the idea that teams teams play positive, play, play on the front foot. But um, you know, you can be the kind of manager that gets the, gets the balance right. But um, you know, I think Bosch wants to really reinvent the wheel. I mean, Sinali Diamande was a more than solid um, option as a center back. You know, third, fourth choice last season for Leon. You know, why is Lakeba getting into the side ahead of him? Um, you know, why, why, if you're lacking a bit of a spine in, in central midfield, why not bring in a, a more, you know, I know, Bruno, I know Guimaraes can play as a six, but why not, why not start with Kakare? Who, you know, I mean, we've all seen him play. He's an exceptional player and does, does have that level of positional responsibility and discipline that perhaps a Guimaraes for all his gifts might not have. Um, you know, the same thing goes with Tiago Mendes. Like these are players that can add that level of solidity. If you don't have a first choice center back pairing available, um, approach it through midfield. Don't ha- I mean a midfield of of Paqueta, Guimaraes, and Awar is is fun to watch, sure. But I, I think the proof is in the pudding there that you know without you know with that being the way that Bosch set up his, mid- his midfield, uh, he is going to leave that defense ex- exposed. You know, and that's a defense that doesn't have competitive experience together. Um, and that you know, and that is I mean, Marcelo is thirty four, uh, or will be thirty four this season. Um, you know, he's not exactly the kind of a player who, despite Bosch um, waxing lyrical over his positional nous um, before the match, he's not the sort of player who you want in that in that system, um, particularly without the, you know, the the likes of Denaire alongside it. Um, I think he was asking for it. Again, not taking it from Angers. I think, uh, you know, as we're saying in the, in the GFFN group chat, uh, Batista Mendy, who, who I flagged up in the preview as being a really key element to this team, uh, looked brilliant. Um, Mohamed Ali Cho looked good as well. Um, you know, Angers, I think, you know, maybe even more so than Claremont. For them to start the season with two wins on the trot is really impressive. But again, um, Leon played into their hands. Um, to have, you know, players with the dynamism and energy of the likes of Cho and Buffal just running at them again and again, uh, it, it really didn't work out for Leon. And I, I think that uh, you know, Denier is recovering from COVID. The hope that he is that he can, he can come back and play on Sunday, um, perhaps alongside uh, De Silva, because I can't imagine uh, Marcelo starting uh, another match so quickly, especially at home, given his past with the fans. But yeah, really uh, challenging watch as a Leon fan. And, and um, I do kind of wonder whether, you know, a manager like, say, Deva Guillaume might not have been a smarter choice, someone who will be solid um, and can. And can you know bring uh, bring Leon up to the level they need to be defensively? I believe Guillaume's still out of work after after leaving Rennes. So yeah, you know maybe maybe keep his number and speed dial there. Uh, you know. <laughs> that's a really interesting uh, option. I, I'd like I'd like to see it to be honest, uh, Guillaume. Uh, uh, Leon, if he could play the, the type of football that you know a team at the top of the league needs to to get the results that they're required, because he's obviously quite a pragmatic coach. But yeah, it could be a really uh, interesting. One. I think though we need to give a lot of credit to to Angers too, as you mentioned there, Eric. They were they were brilliant, and they, some of the younger players were fantastic. Um, and it's the best I've seen Sofiane Buffal play for Angers so far. Um, and they've kind of got that physicality and that pragmatism and that aggression that Mulan instilled upon basically the same group of players. But Batika's making them play with a bit more positivity and a bit more on the front foot and a lot more sort of direct. So I, I, it's, it was really exciting, and they they topped the league. Uh, as it stands, with with as you mentioned, was, was brilliant, twenty one, and, and and Mohamed Ali Cho, just seventeen, was was fantastic as well. Probably man of the match in that game. Um, one uh, youngster that has caught the eye today, in particular, uh, Jez, is is Mets 
Um, Pape uh, Matar Saar, midfielder, 18-year-old link with Manchester United, Manchester City and Chelsea quite heavily today. Talk to us about Saar uh, as, a, as a Met supporter and the disappointment surrounding the result of the weekend, a 2-0 defeat at, at Nantes. Uh, impressive uh, opening game against Lille, 3-1 up, um, but uh, disappointing this weekend. Yeah, really disappointing. Sort of all the positivity of last week and the attacking football and, and sort of you know, ultimately a little bit unfortunate not to get three points against the reigning champions and then with sort of a mixture of, of Lille's capitulation at home and, and and then Messi's performance, it kind of maybe puts last week into perspective. I'm hoping it's just the blip, although um, I think there are still a couple of positions that maybe need filling in, in the what remains of the transfer window because suddenly we're, we're short of central defenders and Doram had to kind of fill in there and then he I think broke his shoulder or dislocate I don't think it was dislocation I think he broke his his collarbone so he's out for a couple of months now which doesn't help and then um, Pajol came in in midfield but is maybe starting to to look his age um, Bassi you know first start in Liga, maybe just just looking a little bit green for now. So there's still issues there, and I think it's you know it is it is a young team overall, and I think there's still going to be some sort of teething problems. But yeah, hopefully more of last week than 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 this week overall. So I'm not I'm not worried yet. It's just frustrating because Mess don't have a bad record against Nantes, and and sort of off the back of last week, despite. The fact that the, the match was being refereed by someone who, if you look at the stats, clearly does have something against Ness. Um, we were sort of hopeful of pushing on from there. So a, a little bit frustrating. But yeah, that's, I think if Saar were to leave this week, that would be a lot more depressing than than the weekend's result. I mean, he's he's definitely sort of the, you know, Mess have brought through a few stars over the years, but Saar is definitely the, the next one. Obviously, the last one is his namesake, who, who scored for Watford at the weekend and has been linked to Liverpool a lot, is Myla Saar. But Pat Mata Saar, I think, arguably is is looking like he could be potentially a lot better than that. He's a midfielder who can play. He could play the holding role. I think he's better as a box-to-box. And he's always said that his best position actually is more attacking as a sort of number 10. And it's there that he's done his best job for the for the Senegal youth teams. He hasn't really had the chance to, to show that position for Mess, but certainly as the, as the um, kind of box-to-box midfielder, he's, he's looked fantastic already. Sort of obviously a little bit raw, a bit to learn in terms of positioning and concentration, but so much natural ability. He's got height, he's got physicality, he's got a decent enough long shot on him. Um last last week the 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 great team goal that Mess scored, I think it was Udol who, who scored it in the end. It actually all started with with Saar sort of stuck in not a great position in the in the far corner and really showing good body strength to, to hold the ball up, keep the defender off him, and then good awareness to, to wait and then find find a teammate who came to support him in the end. And, and maybe that, that was kind of showing the ability and intelligence that he's already got for one so young. I think he's, he's still just 18. Um, so much potential as he grows, as he sort of fills out a bit, as he develops his, his experience of sort of when to push forward, when to drop back. Um, already, for, he's already a Senegal full international and looked great. I think on his debut, he he, 
he made one of those sort of passes that broke about three lines and, and to um, Sadio Mane, who hit the bar when arguably it was easier to score. And it's a shame because I think Sar would have got a lot more plaudits had that gone in. Um, such a talented player. And I think, I mean, I don't think any Mess fans are in any doubt that he's going to end up leaving for a lot of money and probably to the Premier League. But we're certainly hoping that we can keep him at least for one more year. And even if we sell him for this summer, I think we all Mess fans would be devastated if there wasn't at least a sort of loan back for one season. Yeah, it does feel like he's one of those players that just needs another year as well. Like you're right, he's so talented and it's such an exciting prospect. But like so many league and players, they go just the season too early for their development for me. And he's 18, starting every game for Mets. You know, he's only had two thirds of a season of, of really impressing last year. Another year of doing doing fantastically, fantastic uh, amounts of, of of good. But yeah, exciting talent nonetheless. No, I just wanted to say, you wonder if um, if you can make an argument that sort of Messi coming coming into the into league and maybe even in these little situations could sort of help out because you've got to think so might must be thinking yeah but it would be great to play against Messi a couple of times maybe I should hold off for one more year just because of that but obviously the the finances a bit all mean it's not even all down to him so mm. and it'd be great if that was a part of the thought process I definitely think along those lines for sure um an exciting talent on the mess and, and we may end up seeing him in the Premier League very soon and um, just to round off the pod eric your guardian piece uh, this week from our column uh, was on the the pretty surprising uh, nice 4-0 battering of lille um on saturday afternoon talk to us about what happened here well in case the euros weren't enough of a, a clue uh, yusuf yuzic is not a central midfielder <laughs> uh and uh yeah benjamin andre had a, had a bad had uncharacteristically bad day at the office uh and I think that had a knock-on effects for the defense as well. I don't think that um, Nisa conceded as many as, or sorry, Lila conceded, uh, they, th- they conceded three goals once last season. Um, uh, sorry, Lila conceded three goals once last season. Uh, now they've done so twice uh, in as many matches as conceding four against Nice. Yeah. Um, I think they need those, those two new signings, the, uh, well, not new signings. One, one is a new signing. One is an Academy product who was on loan last year, uh, both named Onana uh, midfielders to, to come good and quickly. I know they're missing um, Sheka through injury and Ronaldo Sanchez has had knee surgery. So he'll be out for at least a month. Um, I know they're missing those two, but um, yeah, I, I, I really think that Gorvanek and uh, in, in trying to, jam is into 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 that midfield position you know who's who's gonna know uh more than galtier wh- what a potential weakness in that side is with with the turkish international playing there i mean Yuzic is a, a talented player um he's really probably best as a second striker a creative midfielder uh in a flat 442 um such as you had had in a night uh, with uh bamba and way playing wide you know he's definitely going to leave too much to, to, uh, to Benjamin Andre to clean up. And it, it definitely had a knock on effect, I think. And it, even to be fair, you know, don't work at the bar. Uh, Larry Jardine, the little keeper had a couple, a uh, couple of good saves. It could have been more than four. Um, you know, I think we need to see um, what, uh, what these newer players can bring in for, for Lille and, and what Jekka can bring once he's fit again. But, yeah, very inauspicious signs for the defending champions. But Leo, or, or sorry, ah, sorry, Nice. <laughs> Again, Nice. I looked really brilliant. Um, 
you know, Casper Dolberg two seasons ago had been a fantastic player. I think he scored 11 and 23 goal, every other appearance, you know, very, very solid uh, season. Uh, last year he had appendicitis, his watch stolen, his car stolen, his, his house is broken into, he had COVID and he still sometimes to play 25 matches. Um, and, but very few of those were alongside, I mean, Gweri, uh, who was brilliant last season, looks, you know, an incredible buy from Leon, um, as does Milton Bard, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, again, not letting my Leon bias get into this too much. Um, but I think the two of them together, um, playing really for the first time, both of them fit, uh, Gweri missed about a month of it, a month of his injury down the back in the last season as well. Um, really show a lot of potential. Um, you know, we all know the, the strong euros that Dolberg had had. Uh, he's been a player who, you know, when he's been fit and not, you know, bedeviled by, by the litany of problems that I just, or issues that I just mentioned, mm. uh, is a capable scorer in league on. I think the two of them together are really exciting. Um, you know, throw in the likes of, of Budawi and, uh, you know, Dan Doy, the two new signings. We haven't seen Stengs yet because he's injured. I don't have a lot of time for Justin Clevert, but, you know, I, I think Galtier does maybe. He's a player who can improve people. I think, think about, you know, the two halves of the seasons that uh, Jonathan David had last season. Mm. You know, his 2020 versus his 2021, maybe he can finally get a tune out of Clevert, who's, you know, been not great since leaving uh, IX. But Galtier has shown capacity for improving players. I think we, Jonathan David last season was a great example of that, how he had a rough start to the season, but by, by the time the season ended, he had scored, I think, a dozen goals in 2021. A lot of improvement there. Again, Nice showing this positivity, this balance in terms of attack and defense. Uh, fit again, Donch. Uh, Walter Benitez is a fine keeper. Nice don't have to deal with fixture congestion like the likes of Monaco, Marseille, Lyon, Renwell, uh, other teams that are in the mix for that for that top six. Lille themselves um, will be in the Champions League. So I think that there's, you know, I'm not saying Nice are title contenders, but Turn in this sort of display this early in the season really speaks volume to suggest what an incredible manager Galtier is and what sort of potential this team uh, does have. Um, you know, again, it's early doors, but uh, given the struggles that the likes of Monaco have had, uh, you know, I think most of us thought would be the, the prohibitive favorite to, to come second, uh, Marseille as well. Uh, you might look to Nice as to being, you know, the team best equipped to if not challenge PSG, uh, look, look for that, look to have themselves a spot in that top three coming into the season. Yeah, for sure. I definitely feel like there's potential for them to, 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 to sort of make their way into that champions league spots, especially, you know, after this performance and, you know, Gautier as has previous, isn't he, of, of, of molding teams to, to take on the top, the top sides, uh, as he did so brilliantly last year. Um, one of the, one of those teams that perhaps, as you mentioned there, Eric, you know, they, Monaco, they, they came second in our sort of predicted table at the start of the season on our preview uh, podcast, Jez, between the three of us. But a draw and a defeat so far, yes, they're focusing on the Champions League. Um, but does it show that perhaps we, we were a little bit overly excited about co the prospect of, of Niko Kovac having a full season, the second full season at, at Monaco, uh, and, and maybe that they, they perhaps can't handle the, the, the to and throw of Ligue 1 and the Champions League because they've rotated for both league games and it's, it's cost them, no? I think it could show that. They've got, obviously, a, a really talented squad, but I do also think there's a few kind of quite flaky players in there. And I'm still, you know, players the likes of sort of 
Golovin and Martins, who can be great on their day, but also pretty average. And even just in terms of goal scoring, that's the one thing that I'm I'm concerned about. You kind of think that Ben Yedder, Voland, Boadu, if he, if he sort of gets it going, will score goals between them. But I'm still not absolutely convinced that, that they're the sort of reliable scorers who you can really rely on to to you know, pull a pull a pull a point or three points out of the bag, even when when it hasn't been a great performance. Um, so yeah, fair enough that at the moment they're distracted by Champions League, but you know, hopefully they'll qualify and they'll keep being distracted by it throughout the throughout the um, uh, pool stage. And yeah, I've been less impressed with them than I thought I would be. But even last season, uh, there were times I thought. Okay, they're having a great 2021, but there's been absolutely no pressure on them. And even at the lot, at the end of the season, when suddenly they were genuine title contenders, I do think that their performances dipped quite a lot. So, with that extra sort of focus on them and the extra pressure that they've got this year as potential title contenders, I do think it is sort of a different challenge to what they faced last year, and and certainly on the basis of two matches and obviously that you can't read too much into them although to be fair on paper they weren't the most difficult first two matches that you could have at the start of the season I, they have been found wanting um maybe it is you know fair to to reserve judgment until after they have or haven't qualified for for the champions league and they can focus for for a, a week you know a couple of weeks on 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 league out alone but yeah i think disappointing so far but not 100% a surprise because I do think there are areas where um, they haven't yet sort of proven themselves. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely sort of certain aspects to that squad that you feel like could be sort of poked poked apart a little bit in, in under when they're under pressure. You know, maybe at right back, Jibble Sadibi's been been solid, surprisingly solid from for, by his standards. But in that hectic schedule and then gung, more gung-ho, more attacking league and he could be exposed. There are some still some, you know, maybe issues with depth at centre-back. Um, and if they're going to rotate like this, you know, there's the, the, even the newcomers, you know, like Bawadu and, and and others, you know, the unproven at this in this league. So, yeah, there's definitely a few a few negatives for, for Kovac to sort out a few bumps um, so far. That brings us to the end of the Get French Football News Show for this week. We'll be back next Monday to talk about the third round of Ligue 1 action. Do keep your eyes on our Twitter spaces for that Lionel Messi chat tomorrow night at six o'clock. Uh, and always follow GFFN on Twitter for all the latest transfer news and stories from around French football, as well as the website www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. So uh, I've been Adam White. My thanks to Eric Devin. Cheers. And a big thanks to Jeremy Smith as well. Thanks very much. Uh, And we'll see you next week. Have a good week and enjoy the football.